0: Today's episode of Keeping Track, we talk to New York Times journalist, Lindsey Krauss. Lindsay is the creator of the compelling Mary Kane and Dream Maternity video op-ed pieces. We talk about how Lindsay is bringing a new voice to sports journalism and the seismic impact it's already having on women's sports. Hi, everyone. Today, we talk to Lindsey Krauss, senior staff editor at the New York Times and op-ed Doc's coordinating producer. What would you guys think of the conversation?
1: I was fascinated by the fact that Lindsay had low expectations for the effect of her articles and her opinion pieces um but the ba- the response has been so tremendous and it's it really highlights for me that this that she's able to debunk the myth that women don't care about sports and what I actually think she's done is found a way to get women to care about sports because we do care about sports but we uh, nobody's been telling the stories the way that women care. And I think she's found this perfect blend of telling the truth without the drama, but keeping it very real. And it's it's so impactful. And, and the response has been amazing.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I loved her emphasis on um, sort of looking at the stories that people have around um, not necessarily there is no rules being broken, but there's sort of subtle things that could be better in the sport and in the world in general. And just seeing the public response to that being so strong, I think that's led to a lot of actual change already. Um, and just an evolving of our uh, sports industry into something better, something that fits women's lives when before it didn't. And so it's been important work for sure.
2: Yeah, and I think what has been very poignant for me, again, is just um, what happens when we do have more women in um, in roles in which we they can help tell our stories you know we have more women in leadership positions and having a woman with at with a seat at the table at new york times has been very very important in for us to be able to tell stories that may not have otherwise made it you know on the cutting block you know so i'm very very grateful for that and i'm really excited
1: for our audience to hear this episode of keeping track with lindsey cross Absolutely. And hopefully we find that, you know, by highlighting some of this shadow effect of how sports are currently, that we can lear- like learn to evolve past it and move past this and grow in a more conscious way that is not hurting our young women and men. Because there's so much to be gained from sports personally, and the values um,
0: in sports that are being overshadowed are so um, intrinsically valuable and can really make you a better person, help you cope with life, help you thrive in life, and... Um I think this win-at-all-cost mentality is something that is um, preventing those from reaching everybody. And so that's what I want to preserve and promote about our sport and and help our sport evolve into um, something that's the great thing that I know it is. Um, And so that's our mission here at Keeping Track.
2: So, Lindsay, you know, we have you on the podcast today on Keeping Track um, because we want to be able to keep track of all that's been going on in your amazing, incredible journalism brain. Mm-hmm. Um, and we think that you have really helped change the landscape of women's sports in by being a woman at the table of sports journalism. And um, I kind of want to talk to you more about your... Um, inspiration behind helping tell our stories. I know in looking at your Instagram, you shared about winning the George, uh, Hirsch award. And yeah. you, you mentioned how you faithfully had passed by the sports section for the last 20 years. Um, can you talk a little bit more about that?
3: Yeah. I mean, I think that's been a really interesting evolution for me that I think kind of parallels certain, um, you know, realizations that a lot of women have had where, I never read, like, I've been a faithful newspaper reader, you know, pretty much since I could read. Um, My parents always got the Providence Journal, and I just started reading that and then switched it to um, the New York Times when I got to college. And um, I just never read the sports section, like, ever. Um, And I finally got a job in journalism when I think I was 26, and I still never really read it. And it was just funny because, like, I kept, again, getting, like, older and older. And, you know, we have sports programs when we're – in high school and college and so girls and boys play them but a lot of people stop being athletes um after college but I kept going like I kept being like a pretty competitive athlete and so at some point when I was at the times I was like wait I'm like one of the only pretty competitive athletes still here because you know in distance running you can keep competing so I was like why am I not reading um like the pages that pertain to like athletics basically. Um, and you know, it's not to say that we weren't like, we do publish stories about, um, writers. And of course I I did read them. Like, it's not like I didn't read anything. Um, but I, I, I sort of realized that there were probably stories that I was thinking about that I just didn't really think fit into, um, you know, fit into sports, basically, they were stories about women, or they were stories about race, or they were stories about immigration, or like someone being from somewhere doing something interesting. And like, those are all sports stories, too. But those things really interested me. And um, yeah, so it was just it was an interesting realization to be like, I didn't really read the sports pages, but actually my voice might like, why did I decide that my voice doesn't doesn't belong
1: there. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think I just thought sports were for someone else. Mm -hmm. me. So was Mm -hmm. it it to do with like the um, traditional sports reporting was more about the score and what happened and things like that versus you wanted the story behind the story? Yeah, I mean, certainly
3: I think women are actually very into more of the psychological um, elements of sports, which isn't to say that men are, but that's really all I care about with sports. The Times, though, is really, really good at that. Like we've gotten we've gone beyond just like the here's what happened for quite a while. Um, I just feel like the things that and I mean, it's hard to say exactly what I wasn't seeing that I like, cause we, we do publish excellent journalism. Um, but, uh, but it was cool to realize that like the stories that I saw too, like I wasn't getting story assignments. Like I'm not a sports reporter. Like no one really like tells me like what to do there. So anything, anytime I do do something, it's like from looking at something on Instagram, and being like, Oh, that like, Oh, Alicia is like frustrated about, clearly frustrated right now about like, um, the, fr- the frustrations of, not not having an easy return back to competitive running from motherhood like I wonder if there's something we could do there um and I think there are things that track with my own life and I think it, in some ways you need perspective in order to do in order to do that kind of stuff effectively like write those kinds of stories with the context that they need um but it definitely wasn't like uh oh here's what you should write about and do it that way um type path for me Mm-hmm. That being said, um,
0: do you, I noticed the video op-eds are so powerful. Did you feel like the op-ed format was a way to get stories out there that maybe
3: wouldn't be signed off on? Um, yeah, yeah, well, so it's it's sort of interesting. I wonder in some ways like it is, it is really um, nice to kind of see a little bit of recognition for the stuff that I've been doing. So it's all kind of on the side and it's kind of like, it's been a figure it out as it goes and kind of see what sticks and work with the resources that you have. Like none of which for me are, are conventional resources, I guess. Um, and you know, like I, I don't approach people as like, hi, I'm a reporter for the New York times necessarily. Um, because I don't have a sports reporter or editor at the times that I work for i am required to give stories to like um, my boss at the times is the video editor an opinion. And so, um, for example, when Mary came to me, like, it's not like my boss ever asked me to do, um, to do stories about sports. It was more just like, I, at some point he did because I I do write for the sports pages. So he was like, why don't you do something for me and do it in video? And like, that's when I came up with the idea for what we wound up doing with, with Alicia. Um, and, you know, kind of like reported around it drawing on the skill set that I'd built up, um, as, as a reporter there. Um, and we just decided the video could be a really, really powerful way of getting at the story in a way that the written word just can't do. Um, it's a lot more work. It requires, um, a creative con. It requires, first of all, like, Pretty substantial reporting, obviously. Um, it requires casting it. Um, so getting consent and building a um, building a script around um, whoever you cast it for. Um, and then, of course, making sure that that script, if it's breaking information, it both has to do that and inspire the viewer to actually feel something and act off something. And so it's actually a pretty tricky um a thing to do, but I think when you get it, it, um, it winds up being pretty, pretty powerful, like in ways that again, if I were just like writing a feature, I basically wrote that feature. I didn't, the headline wasn't like women aren't, um, getting paid during pregnancy. Cause it wasn't that it was a much more positive story, but, um, there was something about the video and particularly kind of harnessing the, the emotional language of, um, advertising rhetoric, which Nike and White and Kennedy are just absolutely amazing at, mm-hmm. um, kind of harnessing that and using it to get it some sort of, um, goal or objective or impact is, is, is a pretty interesting way to go about it. But we had to come up with that.
1: Yeah. It's like you kind of like put their strings back out on them and kind of hit them with their own stick or something. Yeah. 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 It's yeah. like, but so again, it was, we went
3: into it saying we're going to do it this way. It was a much more, and even now, now that we have this like chorus of female voices, um, you know, kind of speaking up, like first we have girls and then we have mothers and we're going to have like working women. Um, I, like I'm, I'm going to look at coaching, um, later this year. It's like, uh, it's not like we planned it that way. Um, like, and we didn't even plan to have Mary in this series. Um, she came to me. So mm-hmm. that's, that that's incredible. So like, let's, let's go back a little bit. I think, uh, the Lindsey
2: Krauss saga, you know, and just getting started and, Um, I wanna know a little bit more about, you know, the explosion from dream maternity to, you know, now Mary Kane's story to, you know, where you're gonna go from this. So like so like I think people think, you know, dream maternity just like popped up overnight and you know, our conversation had been long stemming from, you know, the time I was pregnant to coming back and like how it has evolved and just how you just did an incredible job of asking the right questions to be completely honest, if I must say, and encouraging me you know, to basically you know, my story mattered and you wanted to hear more of it. Cause I did feel a little bit of a dark space, which I think, you know, Mary Kane also felt too. It's like, am I complaining about something that I shouldn't be, or or is this a complaint even am I talking about something and it's just a complaint that uh, nobody else cares about. Um, and I think the way that you asked the questions and that you were persistent in, um, Allowing me to know that my story mattered to you, I think, allowed for me to have hope that potentially there is a greater um, public audience that cares about this issue, too. So, like, can you talk a little bit about, you know, basically how you kind of kept on that story that ultimately exploded and has allowed for you to
3: do more yeah, of the work that you're doing? Absolutely. I mean, I think what's really, really interesting about all of these stories. I'm, I mean, with your story and with... Um Mary's story. I mean, I think by the time we put out Allison's story, I was like, oh, everyone's gonna care about this because everyone kept saying, What about Allison? She's gonna be fine. Um, and that's so what we were like, well, <laughs> let's show you. She's the main source for this piece. Um, she doesn't want to talk about it, obviously. But um, I think what's interesting about the maternity stuff, it's like again, I had reported that before. Um, no one fundamentally cares about this kind of stuff. Like with Mary Kane, like I don't know a woman in distance running that hasn't either had an eating problem at some point, it's not to say anorexia, but you know, some sort of disordered eating or the guilt over feeling that she's not disciplined enough for not having one. Like that is a very common conversation. It's like a shame around it that you're not working hard enough. Um, And if you do develop a disorder with eating, you take it too far and then you have the shame of not even like you did it for control. You did it to be good and you're not good anymore. Like, I know what all of that's like, obviously firsthand, like most, most women do, I think at least like in public or in secret, but there's nothing fun. Like I've never, no one's ever told me like there's something wrong with that. Like if it were, it's so common that like, why, why would we think there's something wrong with it? I think what's interesting and the same with maternity, like I've never had a baby before, but my understanding from watching friends is that it's just incredibly hard and we don't make it any easier for mothers. And like clearly society tolerates all of this. Like we tolerate our like high achieving girls putting this much pressure on themselves and like kind of suffering. And we tell them to be quiet about it and to smile. Like, I think you see that with Mary, like with our moms, we tell them like to be tough and like, yeah, you have to do two jobs. Like I relate to all these things in some way. Um, and I think what's interesting is like, I as I, my boss was kind of just like, why don't you just do this because it's important to you? I don't think he necessarily was like, this is gonna be important to everyone. And I was Amazing. like, with your story or with Mary's story, I was like, this is gonna be interesting to me and 400 other people who remember who Mary Kane is. Um, And we're gonna be really sad about this story, but I don't see why anyone else is gonna care. If they care, why don't they care when this happens really broadly? Our push mm-hmm. alert, which is like when we push a story to everyone's phones was like, a company, like a girl was pressured to diet and it was bad for her health. Like this happens all the time. So it's like, no, no, no. I mean, I mean that in a really amazing way, the idea mm-hmm. that we were able to make that into news mm-hmm. when it happens mm-hmm. all the time, like just mm-hmm. so many people. I think
0: that's absolutely amazing. And, and I think uh, you, you highlight something that maybe other people deep down kind of, knew was a problem but they react to how other people don't react and so there's this collective yeah. like non-reacting normalizing it and and that's why it's so important to have someone like you in a place like the new york times where you know you're your thing you're you're reporting stories where if it resonates with you maybe it'll resonate with a few other people and totally um, the public is is really taking it you know in and resonating with it in different ways, of course, there's not that many elite runners out there, but they are they're seeing something in the stories that's really important, and
3: they're wanting to change things for the better. Yeah, well, I think what was really interesting, like particularly with the maternity story, was that I did talk to like a number of athletes before um, we put out the story, and they were like, "Yeah, Nike was really great to me," um, and I was like, "Okay, well, they weren't great to everyone, so we'll st- mm-hmm. we're still putting this out," um, and then. And then it was – I think it was actually really after Allison's came out too that, like, I had a few athletes coming back and they were like, wait a second. I didn't know I had rights. Like, Yeah, there's I a fear so, there. Like, I was grateful because I thought I deserved nothing. And then, like, one of them was, like, my parents and my entire family stopped wearing Nike after I had my baby because I was – pushing myself. Like I was like back on the track, like a week later trying to get back into shape. And it's like, so it's really all perspective and, mm-hmm. and, reference, um, like frame of reference. And I think that's, what's interesting is it's like, you probably do want women who are experiencing this kind of stuff. Like I haven't had like the easiest path, even in my job necessarily of feeling, you know, deeply supported all the time. Um, or feeling like I have the same advantages of like maybe certain, um, male sports reporters who that's like their main job, for example. Um, And so I relate to that frustration in a lot of ways. And I think that it's cool to see that it's not just me. It's not just you guys. It's not just like the other people that have something to say, like people are listening right now. and mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. It's like you like history. put a microphone. I mean, uh, you're like highlighting the status quo and the shadow that exists around the status quo of, mm-hmm. OK, high performance comes at this price or, you know, working yeah. in this industry comes with this. Um, and I think the opportunity here is to kind of recognize that there's things need to change and things need to evolve. And how do we go from here? Because Alberta Searles are isn't the first and coach or last coach to ever you know treat his athlete like that and how do coaches Mm -hmm. now like deal with these issues in a more conscious evolved way and i think your piece has like was so compelling and mary's um story was so upsetting that it you know it took that extreme case to really for everyone to kind of really wake up to this and say we need to do better and i think that's all i can you know
3: yeah. I love the idea that
1: we are finally
3: freaking out about things that are not breaking the rules. I think it's what it's really doing is getting us to really scrutinize these rules, think about who wrote these rules and who they wrote them for. That's mm-hmm. in sports. That's in journalism. Like those people that are talking about the rules, that's in so many other things. I think that's why sports is a really cool way to look at it because sports are – you know, in the workplace, there are a lot more protections. In sports, it's like kind of how we feel, what we value, and I think that's why it's an interesting place to really yeah. have these conversations. The stakes are different. Yeah, and it, it yeah, that's really important like... message
2: that you kind of um, that you pointed to. Just like it's a larger, obviously systemic issue that we're facing, and um, and it, it is true. It isn't just. You know, within sports, it's not within the sports world. but the fact that you mentioned how we view sports is all about our values. and it does highlight the greater issues at hand in how like the world is perceiving things, for instance, mm-hmm. to have you call, you know, some women behind dream maternity and say, yeah, it was fine. I mean, at least I'll have a contract when I come back to this. I'm still getting gear. They didn't tell me anything mean. But the fact that they recognized that they there was no protections in place for them in regard to maternity, they didn't even
3: recognize, that's something that I should have had within my contract. Yeah. Yeah, And a part of that's because of who told them what they should or shouldn't have. And I think Mm -hmm. that's where we need to be opening up these conversations. A lot of who's deciding what we should or shouldn't have isn't us. Mm
1: -hmm. And I think Mm -hmm. what you're doing is, you know, individually, people are feeling that shame. Oh, should I look, expect this or should I feel this way? But actually by sharing that you're that like connecting people in that, and then they, the shame disappears, and people realize, oh, actually, that's what I need. I needed more connection around this, mm-hmm. and to realize I'm not alone. So then it, you know, goes from there. And I think that's exactly the role that your your piece has played there, which is amazing. What mm-hmm. I love
2: about this last um, op-ed that you did um, with Mary Kane was. How, to be honest, people are able to see, like Mary Kane even mentioned it, and I'd be lying if I didn't think that weight played an issue um, in how performance, you know, and how you perform. What I thought was interesting about that is when we look through social media and we look through grids of all of our fitness professionals and people talk about clean eating and dieting and all these things, I think that it shed the light on also the issue of how much we focus on weight Mm -hmm. versus strength and the little things that ultimately will give you um you know uh better understanding of your individual body or your your body an an understanding of how it performs under its own expectations in its own physiology versus the fact that you're gonna look at somebody like you know. Sp- say, for instance, she ended up being an example, Mary Kane and how skinny she could potentially get and then matching it up to you. And I think that that's something that people, women, um, not just women, but many women do face when it comes to them in sports, especially because the way that we hold fat and the way that we lose weight is is very different from the way that men are able to do it. And that's why I think it ends up becoming a women's issue when it's not just a women's issue. Um, it's just because of how it, I don't know, how it... Um, yeah.
1: It's shows unique, up for unique to the female yeah. athlete. Yeah, especially yeah. going through, especially at the high school, low your early twenties, like college age. It's like your body is is trying. You know, you're going against your own body's natural tendency. You know, moving into like a fertile period and wanting to hold on to weight, etc. And it's like you know we're kind of going against its own natural biology. And I think. You know we have to be very very delicate around that and you know what prices performance come at and you know we've talked about earlier how weight is, seems to be this like oh this is the big factor but actually there's a lot more factors that are important and um that's you know it's minimal you know not to say it doesn't exist but that there's a lot of other areas that could people can improve their performance in um
2: of course yeah and it. it just shouldn't be like the, the forefront of it and i think You know, one of the greatest things, again, that was highlighted is just, you know, how Mary Kane being a 16 year old young girl and having her body change and fluctuate and being shamed for it versus having um, the proper support to help her navigate her changing body very normal very natural for a 16 year old girl to be changing mm-hmm. at this point in her career and i think that also highlights you know how we do need more women coaches we do not just coaches we need more women coaches we need more women nutritionists we need more women that care about this issue because women it's not to say that there won't be women that have been a part of the system have oh. learned from you know to be honest, men who don't understand a woman's body, who have taught them. And then we just, again, like you talked about with three maternity, we just end up thinking this is the way things are because that person is older than me and they've been in this job longer than I have. So they must know what is right for me.
3: Yeah. I mean, I think you could say the same thing about so many structures, right? It's like, and I think there's kind of this freedom of you don't just want to be like 20 years old and showing up to something and being like, I'm going to break this whole, like burn this whole system down. Right. But I think you get Mm -hmm. to a certain age and you're like, wait a second. Like this was not made for me. Like, Mm -hmm. but I'm here. And I think that's what's, it's been really cool about like almost like the support from female athletes, like just from my perspective to be like, Oh, like I don't belong here either. Like no one's really told me like, this is something that we really want and that we really like have a, like are putting in a like in a, The same priorities we're putting other things you know and so it's like showing that it does matter at least to the people that i care about um i think that's been a cool way to show that like yeah maybe maybe like Maybe an organization didn't think that this was nothing, something that like they necessarily needed, but it still matters. Um, mm-hmm. Even if
1: the people didn't decide that it needed, to they, are they still saying? Or do you still get that sense even like after this reaction? No, 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 no. it's <laughs> just no, no. um, interesting to see how like how they how your you know yeah. structure has changed when they see the reaction you're getting. Yeah, what's the feedback yeah, been I mean, like? Mm-hmm. Sorry,
0: what's the feedback been like so far for you personally?
3: Uh, I'm actually
1: really astonished. I mean, I'm, I'm
3: a little um, stressed out by it right now. Cause I'm just like, I'm, I'm almost like, could we have just waited this for two weeks? Cause I was trying to train for a marathon. <laughs> I just, like, have what marathon much. are you doing? You're going for your trials qualifier, right? I want to, but it's yes. um, this, this week and next week. And last week Um, we're kind of like the big peak weeks on CIM. And then I was doing my, I did like a 21 miles on Monday night. Cause I was like, I didn't get to do it over the weekend with the marathon. Cause I was, you know, doing a panel with Alicia and a couple other things. And I was just like, this is insane. Like, this is really crazy. Um, But yeah, CIM is a, it's like a, Olympic trail qualifier factory at this point, like mm-hmm. it's just so fast. And well, good flat. luck um, if you get
0: there. By the way, What
3: you said, <laughs> good luck if you end up going out there. <laughs> oh, thanks. Yeah, I'll still go, but we'll we'll see how fast I am. But anyway, um, the reaction to the Mary piece has been. Um, I've been floored like I've been floored by I really didn't think that that many people were going to care about it. Um, And I think it's I didn't think I thought it was going to be a real challenge to remind people who she was. Um, I think she was worried about that, too. Um, And it's just really amazing that people are like, this is outrageous, because, again, this is not just a problem that happened to Mary. Like I don't even think it's that extreme of a thing that happened to her. Like the outcomes might have been. might have been crazy, but, um, and it was such a high profile case, but what her actual experience is not that different from mm-hmm. what happens, you know, in like the NCAA, for example. And, um, so I think that's been really great to see. Like someone told me that, um, a bunch of high schools are screening it for, for girls, which I think is amazing. And like that a bunch of colleges are screening it for, for girls and boys. And I think that's mm-hmm. really wonderful. Yeah. You, not you to see like 1200 comments on it, wow. obviously like taps to gender debates.
0: You see a lot of um, phenom runners, a majority of them female, that um, they're maybe not as good as Mary Kane, but they don't pan out after going through puberty. And you just wonder if that was mismanaged at the coaching level or just that lack of understanding of, you know, like Alicia said, how to guide the female body through and to work with your body and to, um, you know, harness your strength rather than focusing on a metric like weight that I think doesn't really sit at the top of the performance charts if you're a coach you know i think that metric is Mm -hmm. just not that valuable um amongst all the others but um yeah we see a lot of mary canes you know they're not as talented as mary but we see a lot of women that just don't make it through uh puberty in a lot of sports and so i think this ties into that i think people are resonating with that
3: yeah (laughs) i mean i think what really struck me about the story was how um how many other people there are probably like her that we just never, ever hear from. Um, like that that really haunts me. And even if she hadn't told this story, we also wouldn't have known, we wouldn't have had this conversation. I think that's really amazing.
1: Yeah. And I think it's, you know, this idea of like performance and high performance and, you know, winning and the culture around that, which is, you know, goes beyond just Mary and her family and her coaches Mm -hmm. and her shoe company. Um, But that, you know, we have prioritized that as a value and there's so many other values to gain from sports. And I think the others are turned down so much compared to this idea of winning at all costs. And, you know, I think... What you're showing is that, you know, again, the dark side of that. And we have to kind of recognize that so we can, hey, let's get this back in balance because there's so much more to sports than that final result. And it's not worth somebody hurting themselves or breaking their bones or even worse, you know, have, like she had suicidal thoughts and stuff like that. So it's not mm-hmm. it's not something that is worth risking someone's life over. And we've kind of, you know, this is really highlighted that we're out of whack um, culturally as well. Mhm
2: I can we go back to just like, you know, you said Mary Kane came to you? Can we talk about how that transpired?
3: Um, yeah. so she, so the Salazar stuff was happening. My plan for the fall was just to like focus on this piece that I'm trying to do about coaching, um and just to do my regular job and to focus on my marathon. So I definitely wasn't looking to like chime in on um on the Salazar stuff. I also like, I I feel like cheating actually doesn't really interest me as much as sort of like the private battles of like, of like people that are playing by the rules. I think that's what always really interests me is like what, what they face. Um, uh, but anyway, so then I got a, um, she reached out and she said that she wanted to talk about her time with Salazar and i was like okay this could be either really interesting or part of me was like i wonder if she wants to speak up and tell that he's like a really nice guy and that like you know that she was clean while she was with him or something and i was just like that won't really be news like that's more of like a a running industry type thing and then i was like well yeah like tell me. and i never want to overpromise like especially with someone really young and that i respect their career etc um so i was like just tell me what you want to say and then i told my boss i was like Um, my boss, Adam Ellick, um, who worked on the dream maternity stuff, I was like, well, there is this woman, um, who, um, over this young, young girl who, um, she was a phenom and, um, then she kind of like fell off the scene maybe like four years ago. And he's like, yeah, okay. Like whatever. Um, and it was like, we should really do something on this. And he was like doing something on like Trump in Syria. So he was like, yeah, okay. And then suddenly he was just like, okay, we're going to do this. Like, we're going to like hammer on it. And, um, Yes, we just spent, like, we put an amazing producer on it, like a filmmaker, director, and we just, like, produced it for maybe, like, three weeks with her. And she, the the timing was hard because we were, like, do we want it to come out around one of those marathons um, and be, like, part of that debate? Do we want it to chase the Salazar news? Um, and ultimately, we just decided to, like, see, you know, you can never really gauge what the reaction is going to be, but we decided to try to drive a news cycle with it, which I guess at this point we succeeded in. Mm-hmm. Same as Dream Eternity.
0: I loved what you said about trying to highlight the personal struggles of people playing by the rules, because I feel like one of the side effects of playing by the rules in sports is that you don't get the limelight you deserve. Um, and yeah. I've been increasingly feeling that way, not just about sports, but in much of the world, that like who is even playing by the rules anymore? And if you are, you're you're watching people just pass you by. And it's it's really frustrating. So I love that um, you're recognizing that there's stories there. There's messages there. There's like Roshin was saying, the many other values of sports are shown there. So that's, that's not yeah. an important thing.
3: Yeah, well, I think, I think another thing that's really interesting about sports in some ways is that you can be rewarded for not, like, I think the sports model as it is right now, almost sometimes it does be, it is like contracts are very like, time focused, like you're not necessarily compelled or even encouraged from what it sounds like to develop a voice outside of your sport necessarily. And I think that's a way that the sport could really, um, really evolve. I think it would really grow fans for the sport, et cetera. People were like, kind of, you know, encouraged to share more about what it is, what those struggles are like. Um, but I can also see why one wouldn't want to do that. Um, but it's like, I get so much out of just from a psychological perspective, like following athletes, like endurance athletes, it, like the more that they say, the more interesting it is. Sorry, mm-hmm. people are blowing you up, girl. You're <laughs> Um. Okay, there's so much,
2: like there's obviously so much to chat about. I want to also just ask you, um, I want to ask you about some things you may not have any uh, yeah. control over or, or know anything about, but why do you think it is that, you know, in blowing up these issues, a lot of them have been based around Nike, you know, and their lack of cultural, uh, of ethical values that are obviously, you know, within its culture. Um, why do you think a lot of the Nike athletes have not felt empowered to say anything? I mean, I, I have my own thought process on that, but I'm I'm wondering what your take is on that.
3: Um... Oh, well, you you would know just as well as I do that a lot of them are under NDAs, right? Yeah. Um, uh, another is that I think um, again. If you're going to join a system, you kind of need to be all in, um, mm-hmm. I would guess. Like, I would guess that if you're a current Nike athlete, in many ways, you're just so excited to be there. And if you excel there, why would you criticize it? Like, I think mm-hmm. it's really telling that a lot of the people that like kind of speak up about problems with the system have had problems with the system, like they've mm-hmm. had to leave or whatever. A lot of times that happens later in your career. In Mary's case, kind of tragically, um, her career had those bumps earlier. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, I, don't, I don't know why someone would speak out about something that's working for them like people rarely do that um, right so that that's probably why I'm
1: sorry go ahead
2: I know I, I think just highlighting that exactly what you're saying is like this is again like just for our listeners why you know we need to shift the culture it's it allows for us to be the ones that think that we're going to be different or like their story is just unique and individual to them. Um, it could never possibly happen to me. They must be doing something wrong. It must be their fault. Um, yeah. you know, um, and so I think that it is really important for us to see the culture. And when people just understand professional sports, um, they, you do understand, like I said, with dream eternity, I fully understood why many athletes couldn't speak up. They, these contracts are for a period of time. Also 2020 is coming next year. I understand the stress of even beginning these conversations, and this is why it's so important for fans to understand who they are supporting, mm-hmm. what they're perpetuating, and how they can ultimately help make differences by making better choices about who they're whose pockets they're feeding because i do think that it will change the um the dynamic in which athletes are empowered or and then across the board how employees are empowered with their employer who necessarily their culture isn't necessarily uh doing the right thing and not um pushing ethical and humane values
3: yeah yeah and i mean i have nothing against nike like i think nike uh, many nike I mean I'm really interested in a lot of Nike athletes. Like I think Nike does support a lot of athletes. It's more just like, I think that sometimes, I mean, this came to light a lot um, in the dream maternity stuff. It's like, I think there can just be disconnects at a company where um, it's almost like athletes themselves aren't empowered. If they are having a problem, like, Mary Kane talks about this a lot as well. If they have a problem, they're not empowered to fix it for themselves and they're not allowed to talk about it really because they're, you know, if they're not united um, and they're bound by NDAs, they can't really unite about how to, how to change something for themselves. So it's almost like you need to start from the top down. Um, and that's exactly. where I think like someone like me can be helpful in terms of like framing a message and getting it in front of an audience that is going to get in front of, um. You know, uh, um, someone who actually can make a change at that company or is willing to. Yeah, I think right. that's, and like that's, I, that's where I will say. Like, I, I do,
2: I actually do have a problem with Nike, not because I've yeah, had yeah. a problem with them. Mm-hmm. I think we can't, I, to me, I think it's, 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 um, letting them off the hook by saying we don't have a problem with Nike because the problem is they're allowing for this culture to be perpetuated. And I think, you know, obviously, like you just mentioned, it's starting from the top and, you know, if there's not somebody in leadership that's saying, you guys, this is actually not how we roll, then ultimately it is a Nike problem. You Mm -hmm. know, I think, you know, what was mentioned with the op-ed, you know, having somebody like Mark Parker step down, still working, you know, Mm -hmm. underneath one other role. So he maybe doesn't have the fire anymore isn't ultimately dealing with the problem, the issue at hand, or mm-hmm. removing one coach to ultimately slide in an assistant coach with the same ethics and values. And that was ultimately not saying this isn't okay. Is not solving the issues at hand, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think it's, it goes to our consumers. Like, I do think we can't, you know, say we're not going to allow for people who are doing wrong to right a wrong. But the fact that Nike is time and time again, um, they are they are not acknowledging the wrongdoing that has been placed on their athletes because of their guidance, because of their sponsorship. I do think there's ownership that needs to take place. And Would you I, I
1: think they have to recognize that they do have power and they have mm-hmm. a lot of power and it's really yeah. hard to there's such a dynamic of an individual going against this big giant, and Lindsay, and then so impressed by this, like, New York Times going up, standing up to them and not having a fear of the, you know, the wrath (laughs) of them or the risks involved, right? And, you know, and Mary Kane is kind of, I see some response, oh, you know, she tried to join the group and she's, you know... She tried to come back, and and they're like, "Oh, why did she want to do that?" And we, ha- they have, they're not recognizing that they had still had the power, they had the money, yeah. they have the influence, they have the status, and yeah, they they have to recognize that that is an imbalance, and she's not empowered in that position. And I think that they're not doing that; they didn't do that, you know, with the maternity stuff. They're not doing it yet here and um, and i think that's that's what they're failing to recognize and that their power it has these consequences right and yeah, 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 no, i think that's fair um and,
2: and silence is accepted is acceptance and if they if it takes for public shaming for them to ultimately you know shake up and, and pull all of the nasty pieces out of what is, you know, existing within the dirt. I think that's all, that's a problem as well. You know, it's just Mm -hmm. because we feel embarrassed now that people know our dirty little secrets, you know, I think.
3: And I think that's where, that's where I think, sorry, my computer's dying. Um, That's where we've ideally been somewhat helpful. Is kind of. Yes taking mm-hmm. almost like some of the opinion out of some of these arguments and just being yes. like, look, this happened. And like yes. you to the audience, like you decide how you feel about this. Mm-hmm. Um, and even just like exposing that truth. Um, I think is does go a long way in terms turn- like the fact that you're exposing the truth at all as an opinion, because these things are again, not breaking a lot of rules. So it's like, why are we even talking about this at all? Like, um, like again, no one's breaking a law by not offering, maternity benefits to independent contractors. Um, no one is breaking a law by encouraging a girl to diet, um, in the hopes that it might make her faster. Um, so it's like, let's just get these opinions out here and like, or these facts out here and, you know, maybe add a slant to it. Um, but it's, it's, um, kind of leading, leaving it up to the viewer to decide and discuss. Mm -hmm.
1: I think Love that's it. what's so good about your pieces because they do, they cut out all of that and they just, allow, like, it's just kind of you're laid bare and it, like, you know, goes right to the bullseye of just the core of the issues and mm-hmm. I think that's why, wow, that's the effect I get anyways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, yeah, we're trying to just make it very, um, take a lot of the emotion out of it, um,
3: and, like, people can talk about the emotion in their own terms but, like, I think sometimes emotion almost, like, clutters up arguments in some ways mm-hmm. and to try to just be, like, look, this happened in, like, you can't turn away from it, and almost like to use video storytelling or other kind of storytelling devices to make sure that people can't ignore it. Mm-hmm. And so it's they been, like want to watch it. It's been so a, a litmus
0: ret- test, I think. You know, you put the stories out there, and the reaction has been very supportive towards um, the athletes and sort of the the ethics that we hope to uphold. And I think that's yeah. been it's imp- it's important to see that people really care about that. People care about people doing the right thing. Um, I mean, my assumption is that's been the response. Have you have you had much negative? feedback? I would guess. No, um,
3: (laughs) I, I've been amazed. Like, again, I did not think that the world cared about, um, this issue. I'm like, really, I'm really surprised. Um, And because, again, if you look at the facts, like we stripped a lot of stuff out that was a little hard to back up and that might have – we decided this wasn't about illegal stuff. This was about – or borderline illegal stuff. This was about the legal stuff, like the stuff that is totally fine and that happens to society all the time. Um, And that I really thought – people we're not going to care about because that's why it happens all the time. No one cares. Um, and that's what that's to me has been the most rewarding part of this experience. Again, like I've had personal experience that track with Mary's um, in far less extreme degrees. And I've always been like a little, I don't know. I don't like to talk about it the same way that she does. And I'm like, this is really cool to get the idea that like, our experiences that are so common that we all kind of like whisper about when we're on runs or whatever, like the people are paying attention to it and um, do feel like something should change so that we don't have to continue to deal
1: with it that way. Yeah, it's awesome. awesome. And the people are coming out with those stories now and there's like less secrecy around it, shame around it. And Lindsay, I'd yeah. love to hear more about your um own running journey, how you got into running and um are you from Rhode Island because 'Cause we're in Providence yeah. right now and it's <laughs> just like awesome. I see the Narragansett sweatshirt and Molly said you're from Rhode Island, so Yeah, just yeah.
3: I'm from um either Narragansett or Kingston or Wakefield or South Kingstown, depending on which word you wanna give to the bath state. Um So Southern Rhode Island and I just went to the public high school there and started running in high school and I played soccer growing up like a lot of girls and um, I I don't know I just got like better and better I guess like also had those slumps and then I guess like when it comes to the eating stuff like our state champion who was my age had anorexia the entire time and was just so much faster than me and then I just remember I got into Harvard and um, I got in early like almost unfortunately in retrospect because then I had like five months, just kind of like, like not worry about school anymore. And I think I kind of like needed that other thing to focus on. So it was like all just running at that point. And I was really nervous about running in the Ivy league. Um, and I had some race where, you know, in Rhode Island I could handle it, but in, um, but I I was at some invitational where I knew a bunch of girls were going to go to, you know, various schools that I was going to be running against. And I was just like, Oh man, like got to keep up. And then like, I don't know, I just started getting really, um, like, really, like, very, very disciplined about it in a way that it was almost like, you, you know, you've never been as disciplined as you should be about this. So, like, really just go for it now. And it like, I don't know, it was like three months, but I'll just never forget it. I was almost, but I was always kind of grateful in some ways that I did that and then never, wa- like, never wanted to even try again, you know, that I was always just like, leave that alone. Um, so, what so you kind that of make
1: yourself was, miserable to try to achieve something that kind of way? Or what, what do you mean um, by that?
3: No, I was just like, I I started being as disciplined about what I ate as I thought I always should be um, mm-hmm. and um, lost like 20 pounds in three months. Like I was just like so good at it um, and it was awful. It was like the most miserable period of my life and um, it was only going to college ironically that kind of like got me out of that, I guess. Do you guys have to go? No, no, no. We're good. We're good. Okay. <laughs> um, and. Um, yeah, then I ran in college and it was almost like a relief because like at a school like that, the runners are pretty good and the school is like, the academics are so good that it was like all that pressure kind of like went away because I just couldn't be the best. Um, and then, but I, but I made so many friends from running there. It was amazing. Um, and then, uh, when were you there? Sorry. When
1: were you there? Just when during 2002
3: to 2006. Okay, cool. Hmm. Yeah. And then is that your guys' age as well? Yeah. You were there with my teammate, Lauren Walker. Yeah. Yeah. I think you guys yeah. went to the same high school.
2: Yeah. I came oh, high school. Woop whoop. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Um, yeah. Molly and I have raced against each other in a way that I remember and she has not. Because uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, Molly was one of the really good, um, like, kind of Northeast girls. So Did I race I you this, in high school? Uh, Not like, not like, not in a way that you would remember. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But I remember. I like the Yale Invitational. Um, And um, so anyway... um, uh, then I just started running marathons here because it's a really nice way to um, balance out like work and everything else, and it's a great way to kind of make friends in New York, and um, and it keeps you healthy. Um, and I've I've always really liked marathons, and then you don't you also don't have to race very much. You just kind of have that stability in your day, um, and it's been a nice thing to stay connected to. I think mm-hmm. kind of so, so you
1: were able to kind of go to that experience of like dedicating everything being like you said like miserable but then also being like hey I can actually enjoy it from a healthier perspective and like keep it in my life it's more sustainable
3: (laughs) yeah I think it was ironically kind of like letting go a little bit then oh and Mm. the really sad thing to me is I remember when I did have those eating problems like and again it was only three months but like obviously lost my period obviously like went through all that stuff like took a year for all that stuff to get back and I just knew even then I was like I'm making a choice right now where I might wind up having bone density issues, maybe osteoporosis Mm -hmm. and also maybe fertility Mm -hmm. issues. Mm -hmm. And I just remember like, that was such a sad thing to be thinking about. Um, Mm -hmm. And it was been interesting in retrospect to be like, i've I've spent a long it's again, only three months, but it sticks with you for the rest of your life. And I just I I think like fairly often about like what it was that made me at a time when that like I should have been really excited to want to, like almost like make myself smaller. Um and I think that there's just something about certain girls where mm-hmm. they're listening to these messages. Um, and I and I, have and to, sure was, I have to say it?
0: it's such a misconception. That Like you mentioned trying to be as disciplined as you thought you should be regarding diet. I think mm-hmm. there's a big misconception on what discipline is with when you're training that much and what you should be eating. And I've actually seen a lot of um, college and high school-aged women eating what they actually think is healthy and ideal. And it for the training load, it's actually not enough. I think maybe we need to do a better job of showing, like, what is the ideal? Because I think in people's yeah. heads it's, you know— just less salad. You, you can eat overly healthy for the amount of work you're doing. Like, there's, there's food groups you shouldn't eliminate that, that some people yeah. do. And I, I do think there needs to be, like, a better education nearly on that or a better—I um, mean, I get asked all the time if, like, I just eat, like, by non-runners, if I just eat, like, salad all the time. <laughs> it's, like, yeah, just a really big We're misconception nice on what's, what's correct, um,
3: yeah, it was it was funny. I mm-hmm. mean, I am not good at math, except for like this period where I was just like, I was so good at like, just figuring out exactly the calibration of like, but it was like, you could eat a lot of food and hit the marks that you wanted to hit. It was like, I don't know, it was like addictive in a way or something. And I wonder,
1: how did you kind of come out of that? Like what, you know, because you see you got a taste of it. And you yeah, said it was three months. But like, how did you how did you not like, continue? on? That I think path? what's really interesting is that the same sort of obedience
3: that I think I was kind of, um, harnessing to do that. Like, again, I thought I was just doing what everyone thought I was supposed to be doing, but I was too big, but that's why I wouldn't be like the best person in the state or whatever. Um, and so I was like, I'm finally doing what everyone thinks I should do. Like the final thing that like is making me not good enough or something. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I mean, I definitely got like really scared at some point. So I was like, wow, I'm the most out of control I've ever been. I've, I don't cry. And I would like cry a lot and stuff. It was like, it was very weird. Um, but actually, so I really, and I was desperate to run in college. I just like, I couldn't imagine not having that, um, as part of my life. And I felt like that would have been like the ultimate, like, I don't belong at the school type thing. And interestingly, the, um, I was talking to Lauren Fleshman maybe like two days ago or something. And she was like, why did you stop or something? And Harvard made all of us, all the incoming freshmen that were going to be athletes, get a physical. And they asked me if I was getting my period and I, um, told the truth and I was like, no. And they were, they can't run. And I was like, oh, like, and they would have to gain weight, um, or something. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, so I was like, all right. Like I'll, and so I just like, it was like following directions. Um, but it, I get, apparently that's unusual for schools or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. So I guess that was like,
1: but they that recognized that's a marker of wow. like deficiency yeah. and they were like, OK, that's all that's our line, which is great. I think that's a really healthy line. But mm-hmm. yeah, and
3: I think I was looking for someone to tell me to like cut it out kind of. But yeah. I just thought that I was doing something good. You know, people will say things like, oh, you look great. Like, you look so fit. You look so. It forces it. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm.
0: And I think um, there's a big misconception, too, that like. Fitness follows weight loss, and I think it's really the other way around, like the workload leads you to look a certain way and I feel like a lot of people are a lot of coaches have really old school misconception there um, yeah. yeah, I've always found it to not be there's so many other variables to focus on as far as strength and mobility and um you know mental tools to use during race day there's just a laundry list um yeah that I think would wouldn't actually make you a better athlete, so yeah if, if that misconception can be. Dried off at all. (laughs) That would be helping a lot of women and men and women. So
3: Yeah,
2: totally. Well, Lindsay, this has just been absolutely incredible. Um, I just wanted to let you know, like the purpose of keeping track is so that we can better elevate and tell women in sports stories. Um, I think you've you've let us know quite a bit about what your your goals are here, but maybe if you can just you know, kind of further drive home, like what your goal would be, what story do you feel like you'd love to be better told um, of women in sports or your story in particular?
3: Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't know. Um, I think, um, I'm really interested right now. in, like, instead of all these kind of fractious one-off stories Mm -hmm. about um, female athletes, I'm really interested in these broader themes of like, what does it mean? Um, And like, Uh, is it possible that almost like in a meta way that, um, if a bunch of women do speak up about, you know, things that are all, all, um, all fine, that all adhere to what the rules are right now, like, could they ultimately like result in changing some rules, um, Mm -hmm. like or creating some new ones, um, yeah.
2: Wow. I love
1: it thanks so okay. much Lindsay yeah. so thank nice you so to meet you Lindsay. Lindsay thanks Great. a million congrats <laughs> on you. the success you've had and I hope it continues I feel like you've got like such a cool way I don't know what to call it but I love it cool. <laughs> so thank we'll you we'll <laughs> um, I'm such a mess right now but, yeah. no, it's <laughs> amazing it congrats yeah, thank you so much you're
0: doing impactful work so thank you and I hope I see you on the starting line at the trials good luck
3: <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh all right take care guys bye uh, bye, bye thank keep
4: you check. keep chatting. So, keep jumpin', keep jumpin' One time one Yeah, yeah Keep jumpin', keep jumpin' One time
1: one
2: yeah yeah. yeah, yeah Yeah, yeah Yeah, yeah Keep track, you already keep know the track Track Keep jumpin', keep track.
0: to What Cheer Writer's Club Podcasting Studio, a nonprofit supporting Rhode Island's content creators and where Roshin and I record, and to Rudy Nakashima for our funky outro song. Thanks, guys.
4: Running should be simple. Just put on your shoes and go.